Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, hello, and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Jimmy of House Nuts, and dance has begun. Yes, it has, Jimmy. Before we begin, you know, this episode is brought to you by Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. You guys know we love a ton of different fandoms, a Song of Ice and Fire, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time, DC, Marvel, and more. So if you're looking for a good birthday present or Christmas gift, check out Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. Katie and Jordan have such a big selection. They have stickers, earrings, keychains, everything you could possibly want over there. You know, all the stuff for the greens and the blacks, you know, you decide. Uh, you can even hang a full, huge banner. Whatever you're into, you will find over there. Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's number four, cats with a K. And you can use a promotional code, BTK10. You guys will get 10% off. Thank you for checking out. Four Cats Boutique Etsy, Etsy BTK10. So, guys, with that, wow. Um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this episode, Jimmy. Really? Well, not that it wasn't good, but I, I, I'm in. I, I'm at sort of a, in at the crossroads of dilemma on was that the best spot to end season one? Um, I think yes, in the sense that season one is kind of a prologue to, to all of this, right? right? Um, I definitely agree in the fact that I think episode eight was like the highest point of the season for me, without a doubt. But I still loved episode nine, and I and I actually liked ten even more than nine. Um, so and a lot of the thematic stuff that Viserys talked about earlier in the season really comes to pass here. And now we see Ren- like the season opens with Rhaenyra's face, and then it also ends with her face which is really really symbolic and cool um so i'm fine with it i'm fine with it knowing that the bigger fireworks are here to come um and i think this also separates it a little bit from the fact that it, you know it, obviously it's a game of thrones show it's a west Rose show but it's not game of thrones uh we aren't getting right. that big climax in nine and the fallout in ten i mean we kind of do 
but there was even a more, in my opinion, oh shit moment here in episode 10. Um, I like that. I like that it's kind of distinguishing itself away. Um, I think you can make an argument then that maybe it should have its own intro instead of reusing the Game of Thrones one then, maybe. Well, I don't um, know about that, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I like where we ended. I thought the final um, shot of her face in, you know, kind of like what I said, the dance oh, has we're going begun. to war. We're going to war. Yeah, yeah, just interesting. And, you know, we'll try to keep it and please keep it in the chat. We will stay spoiler free because people... Are blasting us even more uh, over on the, on on the on the the reviews, but um, I guess I'll just say you know season two episode one is going to be bonkers. Uh, yeah. So prepare 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 yourself for that. And um, I actually have uh, I wanted to pull up this. Um, let me share this right here. And this is from Fire and Blood. Although I actually was reading World of Ice and Fire, and it's uh, exactly uh, the same. Um, so up oh, that's not exactly how I wanted to share that. Um, I guess share screen window here we go there we go just so you get that um hopefully you can read it it's kind of fuzzy on mine but so this is from fire and blood and i want to read the rhaenyra birth scene and uh how it is presented there so it says on dragonstone no cheers were heard instead screams echoed through the halls and stairwells of sea dragon tower down from the queen's apartments where Rhaenyra Targaryen strained and shuddered in her third day of labor. The child had not been due for another turn of the moon, but the tidings from King's Landing had driven the princess into a black fury and her rage seemed to bring on the birth as if the babe inside her were angry too and fighting to get out. The princess sh uh, shrieked curse curses all through her labor, calling down for the wrath of the gods upon her half-brother and their mother, the queen, and detailing the torment she would inflict upon them before she would let them die. She cursed the child inside her too. Mushroom tells us, and I remember, um, <laughs> you know, both of the, this, the, the text from Fire and Blood is told through us from two different sources, Mushroom, uh, a court jester, and, and a maester she cursed the child inside her too mushroom tells us clawing at her swollen belly as maester uh grandies and her midwives tried to restrain her and her shouting monster monster get out get out when the babe at last came forth she proved indeed a monster a stillborn girl twisted and malformed with the hole in her chest where her heart should have been and a stubby scaled tail or so mushroom describes her the dwarf tells us that uh it was he who carried the little thing to the yard for burning the dead girl had been named Named Visenya, Princess Rhaenyra announced the next day with Milk of the Poppy had blunted the edge of her pain. She was my only daughter and they killed her. They stole my crown and murdered my daughter for it and they shall answer for it. So that scene, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to read that because I think it's kind of a good, you know, we've been talking for the past uh, few weeks about like differences for people who haven't read the books. And so I thought I'd pull that up because... It does go down that way. And this was a scene that I sort of knew, you know, I knew was coming. It was actually way more intense than I thought, like oh way more intense than I thought. But it's actually, in a way, kind of toned down from the book. Yeah, definitely a different tone to the scene, right? Um, yeah. And I think it affects Damon and Rhaenyra in different ways. Uh, I thought that was probably the most disturbing scene we've seen uh, this season. Oh, by far. And even really even more, tough. even more, I would say even more tough than episode one's birth yes. scene. Yes. Which it is interesting, obviously, you know, uh, Rhaenyra lost her mother, right? She lost her mother and a brother that day in the first episode. And then in this one, we see her lose uh, two 
two babes, unfortunately. Um, so it, it's, it's an interesting parallel to draw there, but yeah, that scene was brutal. Uh, I could not believe some of the shots we were getting. I was just like, okie dokie, um, rough, really rough stuff. I'm sure that's going to probably resonate with a lot of people and, uh, really hit home for, for many, I, many viewers. I told Teresa, cause she had a lot of trouble with, uh, the first birth, right. Yeah. Uh, scene. And then gosh, there was another birth scene this season. Uh, oh God. Rainier's Lena. other one. No, well, Rainier, yeah, Rainier's uh, one one where she has to carry the baby like right after she has it, and she was like, "Is this gonna be bad?" And I was like, "This one, I watched because I'd watched the episode before. I was like, this one isn't as bad. This one, I was like, you you can't you have to skip the first fifteen minutes." Yeah, and then you have Lena, obviously, couldn't deliver, right. and then, you know, not getting the C-section. So, I mean, and I know a lot of people are like, really, another birth? But, like, you have to, you know, this is a secession royalty tale. I mean, this is what they were doing. They were popping out kids and <laughs> messing up uh, everything <laughs> as they muddied up the lines, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, what? so what do you think about the, about the finale? Because I think I'm just, maybe I'm so processing it, where I'm like, I, I really liked it. But I, yeah. I'm just like, eh. it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough. I think it's, I think this, it's just a tough spot to end it because everything that's going to happen, you know, in season two and going forward is technically even like the next sort of chapter of Fire and Blood, as well as you know, in the world of Ice and Fire and the books. Um, just did it. I don't know. It's just like this season has been so like big and powerful mm -hmm. that I felt maybe a little underwhelmed by like just the final shot there. Interesting. I, I I actually really loved it. I liked the where they ended. And this is always fun because me and Matt like don't talk while the episode's on. Like we literally just get on here and go live. So I never know. Right. Like we never know how we're gonna each react. Um, I think I'm a bit higher on it than you are. Uh, and I, this is kind of what I thought. This is kind of where I thought it would end up. Um, and obviously the episode had leaked prior. Uh, so I had I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the leaked episode, but I did read you know the changes or at least the more details that we were getting. Um, from this episode that we know about in Fire and Blood. So I don't know. I thought the final scene was really powerful considering the fact that the first shot of the show is, you know, Rhaenyra's face. Or maybe it's the final shot of the first episode. But I remember that Millie Alcock shot. Um, right. And I don't know. It really resonated with me. And to know that Rhaenyra was trying to go into this level-headed and for better or for worse, and then for this to happen, it was the final straw kind of deal. So... Yeah. Um, comment a question here. When is season two coming out? Which is we will we will we not will soon enough. We'll definitely, we'll definitely touch on that. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, over at Warner Brothers, so many things uh, just seem to be take take a very long time. Uh, yeah, it looks like probably 2024 is what I would expect is how long we will be waiting. But we will dive into that because I want I want to talk and I will we want to circle back to this. Uh, what's next for Westeros, right? Uh, you know what's what's next, and what what do we what do we think will be next? Since we can't do an episode prediction, but uh, certainly a, a what's next. So we'll we'll circle back to that. But let's uh, keep diving in here to the uh, to to the to this episode again. Right, um, Roman Jawaldi just absolutely crushes everything he like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just, I mean, God, like <laughs> the tension in the scene with Corliss uh, when the music was picking up, like uh, one thing about this episode, and I think the reason why I liked it so much, and I don't know if it's because I was on a ton of pre-workout earlier, but my heart <laughs> was thumping I, at the end of the episode. I felt like I kind of had ran, you know, a marathon um, yeah. and yeah, I don't know. I felt the tension the whole way through. I really did. It felt like it was kind of rolling and uh, and building just right, like a, a boiling points were being reached. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about it. And that all, always ties back to the uh, soundtrack for me. Yeah, it's um, 
this the scene where they're all taking off and the dragons going in their different direction it's playing that sort of classic targaryen theme they play that it's the exact same theme that they use for danny um in all of in all of game of thrones and actually towards the end uh they use it for john in in some <laughs> scenes uh mm-hmm. when john and danny are flying they they play that that song so cool and just the episode just scored and man another just sort of just gorgeous episode with you know the painted table and it being lit <laughs> Dude, up because we never saw that we never saw it lit up right, right like that in in game of thrones and so it was so so cool yeah uh the table uh might have been one of the highlights of the season for me to be completely honest like seeing it lit up i was just like oh shit is someone gonna i saw someone put in the comments by the way they said that uh someone should put it on etsy they'd make millions and i would right. definitely buy that table. buy one i'm in you the i'm in the market table. for a new dinner table i'm just saying yeah, I would I would pick it up too. Um, what do we think about Damon in this episode? I'm I think Damon people, is ex- I'm some, some people ch- in the chat. Uh, maybe they were sort of surprised <laughs> when maybe they were, maybe they were sort of surprised when it's like, OK, Damon and Rhaenyra seem to be getting along. And then he just flat out chokes her when he finds out that there's some secret that she doesn't know about. Bro, the only people who are like saying that this does not seem like something that he would do are ignoring the fact that we saw him beat a messenger bloody (laughs) that we saw him murder his wife. I mean, and we can, we can debate about book Damon. We can, but this is show Damon and show Canon is different than book Canon. Um, This makes perfect sense. Like we've seen him lose it. Uh, And clearly he was not a fan that Viserys didn't tell him, uh, of his little prophecy so uh, i don't know i think this is pretty consistent with everything damon's been throughout the season i know some people say hey damon loves his family he would never do such a thing but i mean he also didn't kill rhaenyra um he didn't start beating her mercy you know what i mean like right he, and what he did is terrible but he did show some sort of restraint compared to like what the right. messenger got or compared to what his ex-wife got so yeah right. i mean i think damon's a bad person i have thought that right. the whole yeah. season and when i see yeah. people being like damon is so is you know he's so awesome and and yeah he's badass whenever he went and went on his little tirade in episode three i was ecstatic i loved it right however um that doesn't mean that just because you reform a one scene that he, he is like some sort of moral compass by any means um i thought that scene was pretty powerful yeah Oh no, I did too. I love the and and the mm-hmm. fact that they're they keep bringing up the song of ice and fire and moving forward with it, and it's mm-hmm. the it's going to be this key thing going forward. I cannot wait to see because remember this whole song of ice and fire business is nowhere in yeah. the history books. Nowhere. This is all George has sort of you know George Martin has sort of alluded to it. He's never really come outright, come out and like sort of said, this happens, this is how it goes, and this is how it's going to affect all these different characters. But to sort of have it be a big part of this show is going to be really cool. And are we going to get a moment that, you know, is not at all in the books in which Aegon and Aegon tells Rhaenyra or Allison and Rhaenyra discuss this whole song of ice and fire and why they chose to go this route i almost thought for a second that when otto handed her the you know the page out of the book that that's what it was going to be yeah like from alice it ended up being you know uh something else from their from their youth but i that's what i sort of thought it was going to be 
Yeah. And that, by the way, that page from the book is the exact kind of like delusional stuff that uh, I expect Allison to do in the show. Exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, obviously the prophecy is going to play a bigger role. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that plays out as things unfold uh, down the road <laughs> and who knows what. Um, but yeah, I thought Viserys feeling robbed of that and obviously also probably mourning his brother a bit was, uh, yeah, it's a tough scene, tough scene for Damon fans. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And also, like, we got to be clear, like, yeah, Damon doesn't do that in the books. He might have to do other things in the books, but this is the television show. Right. It's, it's also... Well, it's also hard to, it's also, yeah, one, it is different. And two, the books are written by two different characters. And so it's a loose interpret. It's George Martin's even said several times, it's a loose interpretation. Like you can't even, you can't even take it verbatim, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. As to what actually sort, you know, sort of, sort of happens. Yeah. And think about this, you know, like I know you're into history and you went to school for it and stuff. But like we think about like the stories that we tell from history and depending on where you are in the world and what classroom, oh the story you hear, the narrative that you hear behind the history of, of, the, of the facts from different perspectives totally changes based on who's telling you the story. So the way I look at it is I don't look at House of the Dragon as the true telling. I just look at it as another telling in a dramatic fashion. So I, I think people are, I mean, obviously, you know, we want to see things from the book and whatnot, but like at the end of the day, just like George said in his interview, it's a different canon. It's totally different. Um, and can one of those things influence the other? Sure. But uh, it's not going to be a one for one. So, yeah. Um, I actually thought the Corliss, uh, Rainies, right? It's rain. It's in the audiobooks, it's Rainies. And they've been it's pronouncing Rainies. Rainies as how they've been sort of. I change uh, it every right. other time just to annoy people is how they've been pronouncing it in the show, which I knew would happen. I knew it happened because it's funny <laughs> if you go listen to the audiobooks of Game of Thrones. And I remember getting blasted so much in season eight uh, for this because, you know, we read the books and you and you know, I'm always going back and forth. And I listen to the audiobooks and in the audiobooks for Game of Thrones, it's one guy, Roy Dutrice, who's actually in game of thrones uh, has a cameo in it but he pronounces things entirely different and sometimes he changes it book to book and so it's just so it's it's you know wild mm-hmm. but uh yeah so rainies i will try to you know at least pr- maybe pronounce it that way her conversation with corliss i thought was awesome yeah i liked it too and but but we you know this is something that's been consistent all, all season long right is the fact that there those two chemistry on screen has been unimaginably good and also i love seeing her drop tears because she has been kind of you know hard to read and she also has had to be very stern uh and kind of stone-faced so to see her kind of you know to take the veil down and to show corliss how she's hurting and how she feels and to say you know not you we uh, i think that that's important for their relationship and also to talk about their ambitions that they had for the throne and also rainy's if you notice wasn't bending the knee to rhaenyra was kind of there hanging out in the background right. and it was obvious that she did not feel comfortable pledging herself to rhaenyra until she saw how she would take the news and what her next move would be and her restraining herself to not go drop these you know dragon thermonuclear bombs um, on on all of westeros uh that is what won Rainey's over. And I, and I like that a lot because she kind of stayed neutral there. So, yeah. Um, okay. So they end up sort of going off in their different directions and they chose to focus this on uh, Luke, right. Who goes to storm's end and then Luke and Amon. What did you think of the way they changed that? 
I'll pull I'll pull that I'll pull that up in the book too since I I, can, I, I know it pretty well um, from Fire and Blood, but pull it up just to make sure that I don't miss anything. But in Fire and Blood, it said that you know there are people watching from Storm's End or, or wherever or Shipbreakers Bay or whatever it was, and it it is all the thing that is truly known is that two dragons danced in the sky and there was fire and yada yada yada. Uh, the only account that we have, I think Eustace says that the dragon e ate Luke right and right. Uh, and then killed the dragon, but the other account is that Mushroom says that Eamon cut out Luke's eyes and presented on a pillow to Boros's daughter as a present, which, you know, if you want to take that as what happened, that's fine. Uh, you can do that if you read Fire and Blood. That's cool. Uh, but this actually gives us insight into what happened with the scene. So for me, this isn't necessarily a change. This is one of those times where it's more detail because without a singular truth that gets placed into the true tales, uh, which there is no, they even say that in the book. They're like, Basically, what we can say is that we don't know what happened. All we know at the end is that Luke died and so did his dragon. And uh, this is kind of getting that uh, whole point across. The fact that dragons are not something that should have ever been trifled with, which Viserys said earlier in the season, and that we do not control these dragons. Basically says that it's, it's a bit of a farce that we control yeah. these dragons. And I think that that's echoed here in this episode. And Eamon, you know, making a, a what, what was ever going to happen? Matt, Matt, you were up with brothers. How, how many times your brothers make you mad and you punched him in the face or hit him? And then right. immediately you go, what did I just do? What did I just begin? And then you're in trouble, right? So there's this feeling that uh, Eamon knows what he just did. He just started the right. dance. And then in the books, Otto and Allison rip into him. Oh yeah, because yeah, because it's Ooh. stupid. I'm getting I'm getting it pulled up here. Uh, so just the first line here, because then it goes into the you know fire and blood. The way it's written, it's kind of all over the place. It says the tragedy that befell Lucerius Valerian at Storm's End was never planned. On this, all the sources agree. I actually sort of like that it. I mean, on one hand, you could make the argument that it it wasn't planned, and on the other, I think you could make an argument that it was because what's Amon. Eamon clearly is trying to, you know, do something. What's his, what's his goal there? He's on a huge yeah, he took dragon. It too far. He took it too far. Yeah. He wanted his eye, took it too far. Ends up, uh, you know, messing around and finding right. out kind of deal. Right. Well, exactly. And it doesn't help that you just did that. And I think this will be something that they'll, like, you know, isn't something that's in the books, but I think it, it's a great, we'll get this dialogue in the show is you'll hear when it get how, you know, when it's talked about in the future, that some of the people at Storm's End were there and they saw whether Eamon says it was an accident or not. Right. Well, I just saw you throw a dagger and say, cut out your own eye. So, and, and do you think Rhaenyra's going to buy gonna, No, absolutely not. She's pissed. Rightfully yeah. so. He definitely, he definitely after around. And, and also, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that it makes the dragon seem more than just like mindless slaves, right? Like in the books, it's always kind of hinted at the fact that the, the dragons, there's more to them. And the Targaryens have lost a lot of that Valyrian knowledge on how to bond the dragons. It's very ambiguous on how the bonding even works. Uh, there is no concrete way of doing it. There's just some theories out there. Um, so the fact that you actually get to see the dragons have a bit more agency is something that I really, really like. I saw some people say that they felt like Eamon didn't have agency in the scene, which I think is really silly. His agency comes from the fact that he decided to continue to antagonize Luke and ends up paying for it um, and going way too far. Yeah, you know, OK, so here I'll pull up. Uh, let me get let me get this uh, pulled up again here, because some of the dialogue in the book actually is really cool. Actually, now I'm kind of wishing they had 
had gone that route. Um, let me great comment here. Uh, I liked how they foreshadowed this way back in, ep in the episodes with the kids in the dragon pit and getting them, you know, schooled by their teacher that they need to control their dragons or something bad could happen. Exactly. Yeah. So just some of the things here and I'll highlight this. Um, just because some of this is really cool. Some of the some of the dialogue here. He says, look at the sad creature, my lord. Prince Eamon called out little Luke Strong, the bastard. So he didn't he he did call him Lord Strong, but he didn't he didn't say anything else. Uh, you're are you wet, bastard? It's raining. Or did you piss yourself in fear? That would have been like a funny, uh, you know, a funny line. But then I you only have so much time. So they went with the, the eye. Uh, you know, the whore of Dragonstone, he means Prince Eamon strode forward and made his. Mm. Uh, and so he's a little more restrained, actually, in the show, which is crazy, uh, you know, because it's like we just saw him kill uh, Luke, essentially, or it was an accident. And he throws him a dagger and says, cut out your own eye. And so it's just it's interesting the. The balance they're doing this season, and now that we've seen the whole season, we can we can talk about this as well. Mm hmm. But the balance they're doing of sort of staying true to the books, but at the same time playing with it just just enough without really going like completely off the rails with any of the characters and having to add stuff. Right. Like they added this scene in clearly uh, because they're not just going to show a, a kind of a silhouette of dragons and then we never know what happens. Like they're diving into it. They're going to go ahead and make those decisions uh, for this interpretation of the of the narrative. So they're going to add in scenes and whatnot. It's also interesting to think that, you know, some of these accounts seem very pro Rhaenyra in the books at times, especially if mushrooms like, you know, being mushroom. Um, so it's interesting to see the other side of what maybe possibly could have happened uh, there. So, yeah, all I know is, is that Otto and Allison were not pleased in the books with uh, Aemond at all. And I don't think they're going to be very pleased with him now either. And there's a chance that they won't believe him. Like you said, like who's going to believe that they heard the, that he said these things. And it might be the fact that we as the viewers in Eamon are the only ones that will ever know that uh, still absolute bonehead move for him. He uh, he's a great fighter. That doesn't mean that he's smart. There's tons of morons in the UFC. Uh, so right. thankfully he doesn't have to be a genius to swing his sword. Yeah. Um, here, I'll get this pulled up here. I'm Keep, I keep closing it because I don't want to. I don't want to click too far ahead to to spoil any any of the text. But since Erex fell, broken to be swallowed by the storm, mm -hmm. uh, the storm lashed waters of the bay. His head and neck washed up beneath the cliffs below storms. And three days later, to make a feast for crabs and seagulls, Mushroom claims that Prince Lucerius' corpse washed up as well, and tells us that Prince Aemon cut out his own eyes and presented them to Lady Amaris on a bed of seaweed, who we haven't even met yet. Um, but this seems excessive some say vagar snatched luceris off his dragon's back and swallowed him whole okay uh <laughs> and those are some those aren't even you know the maesters right uh it has even been claimed that the prince survived the fall swam to safety but lost all memory of who he was spending the rest of his days as a simple-minded fisherman so like when we talk about sometimes how the books it's you can't you can't even use these books as actual representation of what happens because it's this loosely based history in which it's just describing, well, these people say this and these people say this. And sometimes yeah. there's truth and sometimes there's not. So I it's think hard, it especially because we had that comment about Damon earlier. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of even hard to say because all of the histories of these books are are two people saying this is what happened. The other person is saying, no, it isn't. 
Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this is a narrative retelling of the history. In, in a way. Exactly. It, it, to me, it's a lot of fun. I know a lot of people uh, get upset whenever there's stuff added or changed uh, in, in a show. But I actually think fidelity to source material uh, is not always in, like the rate of that is not always indicative to how good of an adaptation it is. Some of the best scenes in early Game of Thrones are ones that they kind of threw in like Cersei and Robert. Uh, and even more so with this show, this is nothing like adapting Game of Thrones. It's so much different because of what you just said. And that is because of the style of narrative that it is. It is not a straightforward, um, right. you know, third person limited perspective type of deal. It, it's something much different. And uh, that presents its own challenges in the adaptation. Uh, and I think that they're doing a good job with it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, you know, now that this has happened and it's going to be something going forward, you know, Eamon will carry the monkey or Eamon Kinslayer because that is technically yeah. what he what he's what he does here. Um, and it, it actually sort of raised. A, a, I started thinking about this. I was like Kinslaying in A Song of Ice and Fire. I was like, when does it actually really sort of come up? You know, there's an argument, you know, this is way sort of in the main series as well as the books, like with Theon. And then I was kind of thinking about this, and I think this would make a great Patreon episode. Does Kinslaying ever affect Tyrion? Because... I have to think about that. I want to I wanna, that's, I wanna that's come a good back question. To, yeah, I want to come back to that because I'm like, well, not really, but I don't know, maybe. But, you know, Kinslaying is a big deal here, which is why people don't, don't necessarily want it. So, uh, and even... Even Boris Baratheon, Baratheon's like, uh, take this outside because even to to kinslay in my hall or to attack a get to attack a messenger is not something I want, you know, in my hall. Yeah. Yeah. Boris Baratheon getting some screen time. I mean, you know, I was excited about this and I wish his voice would have been a little bit more raspy. But I got to say, I think the look suited him just fine. I am not surprised that Boros didn't know how to read. Uh, that that tracks with the Brathians, yeah. I would say my favorite house. Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I enjoyed it. A lot of you guys, I asked you guys in the in the comment and the and thing here, rated out of five stars. We're getting a lot of five stars. Um, just some other things here. Did they keep Amon's scene in the hall more mild than the books to avoid his character becoming unlikable to the fans? Uh, yeah, I can see that. Like them wanting to tone it down just a little bit so it's not like because. There are going to be people out there because, you know, it's it's this is how humans are. There are going to be some people that are sympathetic with the fact that Vagar gets attacked by uh, um, Arax. I always forget uh, Luke's dragon's name. I apologize. Yeah. But, uh, you know, gets attacked and does this. And he's like, no, Vagar, no. You know, so there are going to be people who are sympathetic towards Amon. Like, that is going to happen. So I think, yeah, it's probably to follow a balance uh, just a little bit, especially because you have to remember, we have a whole lot to go still. And these characters are going to change even more. And they're also not going to get away from this trauma that they're experiencing or the mistakes that they're making uh, scotch-free. Like they're, they are going to absolutely be paying for these things and changing as we go through the seasons. Uh, so when you look at the bigger picture, I think that there's a lot of stuff that could uh, end up mattering that we're seeing here in season one that made us seem like something that we glossed over or it was just a, a just a really subtle moment. One of those things, and I want to ask you, Matt, about this, because this is the only thing I really didn't like about the episode. I liked it, but I'm not sure if we needed it. And that was Damon singing to the dragon. Oh, no, I love that. I that loved it, awesome. but like... Did we need it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we need oh, 100%. it. 100%. Uh, no, I know uh, uh, 100% because... We needed it. We needed it because it shows that Damon, and we've seen it a lot this season. Damon's always like 
Damon's been like, he claims an egg for himself. He claims this. And then we get that line dragons, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. prophecies that make, that made us who we are. It's just dragons. And he's yeah. actually, there's been this sort of undercurrent really this whole season. And that when it comes to dragons, Damon actually kind of knows more than anybody else. And he's the one saying we have this dragon, this dragon, I can go claim this one. And it is going to be a big deal going forward. Is that to be fair, Damon, really is out of all of the targaryens right now he is the one that knows by far the most about the dragons and they're really pushing that out there and i think that's that's going to be a big thing that you know isn't in the books really but they've been kind of hyping it a little bit with otto talking about hey we got vagar like this is a big deal is going to be they have Vagar, but we have more dragons. And Damon is kind of like the dragon commander. So I think that's gonna I think that was I love I love the scene and I thought it was super useful. Yeah, I thought it was cool. And I actually have this in my notes. That's why I wanted to bring this up because talking about like things that are gonna play out over the seasons based on what happened here. And I think that this scene will probably like we're gonna see that dragon again, clearly. So they wanted to introduce it here. Um, what dragon was that? Was that Viserys? That's that no, that's Vermithor, which was old King Jaharis's dragon. Jaharis's, yeah. Okay, okay. right. Sick. <laughs> Damon the dragon, the dragon with the dragon. <laughs> uh, what about Rhaenyra getting crowned? I got chills. That was sweet. That was I got very, chills, very, man. That was very, very cool. And now she carries the crown of her father, King Viserys, um, which yes. is. Which yeah, which is which is interesting. I'm working on a crown, and I have I, I have an I have an old crown video, but I have a new I have a new one coming up, which is going to like tie into like the whole to the to the whole thing. Um, uh, what about the parallel of the kind of uh, outside of Dragonstone like bridge scene? Yes, Rhaenyra flies back and lands. I I love that. Um, there's something my wife picked up on as well, and she was like, "That's sick. I love it." I know. I'm sure there are people on Twitter that are like, well, "Hold on, let me let me get this straight." Right. So just like the total casual fan who knows, who doesn't read the books or anything. So let me get this straight. So last week, Rainey's is in the throne room and she could, all she has to do is say Dracarys and she wipes out all, all the bad guys. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. So now Rhaenyra flies behind Otto Hightower, his group of people. And all she has to do is say Dracarys and we immediately take all those people off the board. <laughs> So it's like literally two back to back scenes in which they're like, are we going to see, you know, see yeah. dragons kill people? So I am glad that we did get the I mean, I'm not glad, but, you know, because I'm 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 team black. But uh, it, I was glad that we at least did, did get sort of a dragon battle to to end end the show. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's obvious that Rhaenyra is thinking ahead, right? Using the prophecy, but also saying like, if I burn all of this stuff and all everyone and I burn all this infrastructure, like what does that make my reign look like? Uh, not to mention the fact that uh, I feel like there's a lot to be said about that miscarriage scene and how Damon and Rhaenyra are both in mourning for it and how they end up reacting later in the episode. I, I think that that all kind of has like a ripple effect throughout here. Yeah. Um, okay. Now a question for you. Uh, this is going to go into some weird, weird territory here. Cause I think you know, we, we, we've talked about this episode specifically and we can dive into a little bit, obviously we can come, we'll come back and we'll do like a big, just episode breakdown as well as at some point, we're going to have to sort of look at some of the things we've learned in this season and does it tie into at all game of Thrones. And so just uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pitch this one to the chat. So 
was the was like the Vagar sort of losing control because we haven't really heard that much in the books of like the dragon sort of like acting perhaps on the writer's ambitions whether it's what the writer wanted to do or not i mean danny burns down king's landing all i'm saying is <laughs> was that a daenerys decision or was that now maybe a drogon decision yeah it is interesting because the times that we've seen uh the dragons not obey is like when the good queen wanted to go beyond the wall and it, it dragons like nah in the books yeah we're not right. doing that and then obviously even danny doesn't have good control of her dragons for a very long time um especially drogon in a dance with dragons in the books so there has always been this little bit of agency granted to the dragons and the fact that they are you know, there's a lot more to them. So I like that they leaned into this. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Is I, like I, I didn't know. I, I thought, I thought it was cool too. I guess I'm just wondering, you know, if it's going to be like, I are, are some people maybe going to, I haven't, I haven't about to check Twitter, but I'm, I'm, I bet it's going to be an, a, a new argument that like, well, look, Danny didn't actually want to burn down King's Landing. It was Drogon oh, God. that did it. Just like, just like how Eamon didn't actually want to attack uh, Luke. But, but we were Vagar, with her. I guess we Vagar, were with her. right. Yeah. I mean, is that kind of like a, my dog accidentally ate my homework. It was like my dragon accidentally <laughs> ate, ate my nephew. It's like, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do it. Vagar did. Vagar did it. Vagar <laughs> is so cool, by the way. Vagar is this. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of out on Vagar now. Yeah, uh, no, Dragon's Agency is absolutely included because um, I see this. Dragon's Agency is obviously alluded to in the books. Uh, which is something they're drawing from. So, and even in the show, okay. opinion, you know, Drogon is is very wild in Game of Thrones for a very long time. Okay, uh, I guess maybe we do kind of talk a little bit about the season as a whole. Yeah, what do sure. we think of now that we're done? Now that we've just, that's the final episode of the season. What do you what do you think about season one of House of the Dragon? I loved it, dude. I thought it was great. I thought uh, it, it definitely qualmed a lot of my fears. I think there there was some bumps along the way. Uh, I don't think that this is a perfect season by any a stretch of the imagination, but I think it's the best fantasy show on TV by a long shot. Uh, and yeah, absolutely nothing about it that would make me not want to watch season two. Clearly, I'm I'm all right. I'm, I'm I'm aboard the hype train at this point. Um, but yeah, I really, really liked it. I think that there were some really interesting hurdles for them to get by with the time skips and kind of like this big historical prologue that they were setting up and knowing that they kind of went back and forth on whether or not they should have used the young actresses and like do that first five episodes. I am glad that they did. I thought Emma Darcy's performance this episode was the strongest that she's delivered. And I think she's or I think Emma Darcy has been very, very strong as Rhaenyra, right? right. As, as Rhaenyra. Yeah. Um, so right. yeah, I think that we have a lot to look forward to going into season two for sure. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely loved uh, episode. I, I loved this, this whole season and honest to God, it's one of the strongest opening seasons of any show. I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's, I think it's hard to even compare like openings, like season ones to, mm -hmm. This, this season obviously like game of thrones would be your sort of natural one but it's kind so of different. i guess in a, in a way it's in a way it's also unfair because like game of thrones 
you know, was doing this like new thing that like nobody ever, nobody had ever done to that sort of scale. Right. I mean, there had been fantasy or even like medieval TV shows that had been successful, but certainly nothing like the success that Game of Thrones saw. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, but obviously this is able to sort of piggyback off off of that. But absolutely, absolutely loved it. I, for me, this is honestly as I would rank it in there with like season three or maybe even season four. Really? Of, of Game of Thrones. Yeah, man. It is really, really, really good. And it achieved things that it it, it had op, it had hurdles and obstacles that it had to even overcome. To even just yeah, be good. That's fair. Right. You had the weight of season eight on it, yeah. which is like, which is like, okay, the, the, the taint, which we're still of, feeling, you know. <laughs> right. It had the taint uh, of season eight, uh, uh, you know, on, on it, as well as sequel shows, successor shows, whatever you want to call it. There's not a lot of them that even stick around or mm -hmm. even do good. I mean, or there's sometimes they try to reboot something or revitalize something like there's really only a handful of shows. I mean, it feels like we are maybe in this age now where we're getting more shows that sort of can can pull like can pull it off. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's just like spinoff shows stuff like that. It's really, really, really hard to do just because people are so invested in one and you go to that next one. It's just, it's really difficult. So you had that going, it had that going against it as well, as well as all the competition that's going on right now um, on my star Wars channel. I just had to do a breakdown of why Andor isn't, isn't doing well. Yeah. Which uh, for all intents and purposes is supposedly a really great show. Andor is, it's a great show, but there's just, there's so much competition now because it has to go against House of the Dragon and Rings of Power and She-Hulk and the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like it's a great show, but it's just getting buried by all this by, by all this competition. And House of the Dragon, same thing. It's going it, it had to go up against another mega show releasing at the same time, as well as, you know, like Andor and all this other all this other stuff, as well as the NFL. I mean, th this show goes directly against Sunday Night Football, which is one of the hardest things uh, to to absolutely go against and it ratings from all the accounts and everything that we've seen have been absolutely great and through the roof. So yeah, definitely successful. I mean, from a yes. standpoint, yeah, super successful. It's, it's hard for me to honestly even pick sort of like a favorite episode because there's so many moments and we'll have to come back and we'll do a, we'll, we'll have to like narrow down, like what, like collectively put together our sort of top 10 moments and do like a, you know, like structured, like breakdown of that, because I think there's so many great options to even, even pull from, but, uh, what do you, if you just off the top of your head, now that we're, you know, we, we haven't rewatched the season or anything, but like favorite episode, Jimmy and favorite moment of, of the season. Oh, without a doubt, it has to be, uh, episode eight. And it is mm -hmm. Viserys's walk and his announcement and him sitting that damn throne and Damon putting the crown on his that whole thing, the whole thing uh, that was the best. And like that's the thing I think with this season, I'm more of like a season one or two of Game of Thrones, maybe a season six as well. Um, it didn't yeah, reach the three and four for me yet, but episode eight in the moments uh, with with Viserys, I think were as good as any other moment in Westeros TV for me. So like, you see what I mean? Like the highs right. are super duper high for me. Uh, and I, I have only 
only good expectations, but definitely episode eight and Viserys's walk was just incredible. Uh, best moment is when House Valerian entered the throne room in episode five. That was a pretty sweet. That was a that was a sick. That was that dope. Was a, that was super sweet. Um, Team Damon, uh, no harassment of the of the of the writers, please. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got going on here. For me, man, favorite episode. Like it is sort of easy to just go episode eight, but then I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just a schlock for. The hype and the excitement. And even though Damon and Rhaenyra weren't even in it. Episode nine's pretty sick. Like, Say I it mean, with your chest. Tell them. When Rhaenys is the beast beneath the boards. And she's just wrecking all of those traitorous people. Yeah. Okay. And I was in your, you were doing your chat the other day. Yeah. Yes. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy does a Jimmy on his channel, Fantasy Network. Go check it out. Um, you do, you've been doing breakdowns in the middle of the week on Wednesdays, just going through like what we've had, sort of just open conversation. And uh, I was, I was in there chatting and I was like, first of all, all of those people that were, ch that were chanting for Aegon are traitors. Okay. No. And they got, they, they got what they deserved. Okay. <laughs> So I was how immoral of you, Matt. <laughs> uh, immoral? No, man. They were traitors to the crown. Okay, they were chanting a false dragon. Okay, oh, so man. I have. Yeah. If you're a traitor, I have you know nothing. I don't want anything to do with you. Okay. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, me and you liked episode and, nine, and we talked about it. We kind of talked why we felt it made sense for Rainus. And then, you know, I, went, I always check out other other commentators' points of views. Um, I don't necessarily go to forums anymore and that kind of thing because there's a lot of that hive mind. So, you know, I like to go to people who I know have been critical in the past of things that you know have fallen flat. And it was like pretty unanimous that I felt like most of the people that I respect the opinions of were with us. That episode nine did make sense in fact and that it was really really good uh so for me i was kind of i, I you know I, I i was in the twilight zone after because i'm seeing all this discourse on the internet about how maybe the ending wasn't actually as great as we thought it was and yada 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 but after a lot of time sitting on it and checking out other things i'm like you know what no i'm i'm with you matt it was awesome yeah um man episode three with the the crab feeder where damon basically rushes him was pretty awesome rhaenyra with the stag i thought was super cool the white stag to show like she's sort of the true um you know the the the, tr the true heir man you know even uh lena valerian's death was kind of powerful where she's like yeah that got me to be honest where I mean, she, I mean, she went, out, she went out her way, which is, you know, with her, with her dragon and Vagar, Vagar didn't want to do it, but he's a traitor to the crown. So that's what he did. I mean, you know, now he's, now he's attacking Luke and killing Luke and Luke's the, you know, right thing. So, you know, also, I mean, let you know, v Vagar was like Visenya Targaryens. Okay. I mean, it wasn't like Aegon's dragon. So. I'm think I think I'm I think I'm anti Vagar now. I gotta look up who was all rode him. You're you're anti Vagar. Yeah, I mean I think so, man. I mean she at least looks dope though. Can we agree with that? Her being like yes. half sea beast almost is so sick. Yeah, let me look up exactly who all rides who all rides Vagar because <laughs> it's like it's like from you know like 
who all who all ride who all rides Vagar? Let's see. Let's see this. So we know Aemon, and we know Lena, right? And Visenya, and Visenya Tar, and Visenya Targaryen. Um, while well, the wiki's crashing because everyone. Yeah, you're not. I was gonna say you might not be able to pull it's it hard, up. and we don't want to go. In, we don't want to go into any other generations or anything, right? We gotta be right. Ex exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the, some of the uh, just some of the other cool moments in the episode. How about the sapphire eye from Aemon? Yes. And did you notice that they have changed his his thing in the opening where it does have a sapphire now? Does it? I did not notice that. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. People have said people have said that it right that it <laughs> Hold on somebody so yeah. somebody has a great comment. Courtesy of Vega. Vegar got big by eating a strong diet. Reddit finally did something noteworthy. <laughs> Damn. Um, but yes, the opening has changed a little bit. I'm sure other people, um, far more experienced than myself have gone through and, and broken it down, but I saw some people point that out and I, and I did notice, uh, episodes four, five, six, eight, and 10 were all at least nine out of tens says Sputnik. All right. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, enjoyed this season. Here. My favorite moment is when Rhaenyra was crowned King, Queen. Uh, Jason, How dare you. Season. well, I mean, she could be King, right? I mean, I don't know. She's the she's the ruler. She whatever she wants to be. And episodes are. Jason says episodes are too short, and the books are being betrayed again. I, I guess, dude. <laughs> I got uh, yeah, I, the episodes are the episodes are a little bit longer, but I can, I can see. I I to that point though. We can talk about the we can talk about the time jumps because does that. It does now that we've seen season one, does the time jumps kind of make some things feel constricted because you're shifting a lot of characters? Oh, yeah, of course. Like pacing is going to be is definitely going to feel a little bit wonky at times. And, you know, there, there's some arguments that you can make that I think that especially episode six is episode six when Laris kills his family. Right. I think that like a lot right. of people wanted a lot of that stuff to happen over time. So like you kind of look at that and. You know, we have to go back and watch the uh, season, which I know I'm going to, and start looking at where they had divvied up time and say, okay, well, what could have maybe been moved around or cut to maybe give that two episodes? Like, that definitely could have worked. And that was part of the trials and tribulations that the season had to go through to get through the time period that they needed to to get to where they want. But, like, without a doubt, especially with the final scene, you can tell now that they are about to start telling the story that they always intended to tell. From what I understand, Condell wanted to start at this point and tell the dance from here and george kind of guided him into the fact that he was like no you really need to tell like how we got here so very uh very uh daunting of a task i think for the crew yeah i it wouldn't it maybe it wouldn't have been at, i mean i thought it was handled really well all the time jumps i do think for the casual viewer i could see how it would be jarring especially because if it were just Rhaenyra and Alicent and like, you know, Lena, or like if it's like there was only say like one, one big cast change between the time mm -hmm. jumps. I don't know if it would have been maybe for some of the people that have um, been saying like, Oh, Hey, you know, they're, they, they find it jarring. Yeah. Um, but you, we did sort of jump from like, okay, Rhaenyra and Alicent are now older. 
and like Lanor is older, and th then it's okay. Well, then you have Aegon and Aemon and all the kids, and then we jump again, and you only had like them for two episodes. So I could see how some pe I could I can see how people could find that say like jarring. Yeah, but actually, if you look at uh, you know what you know the ratings online, which generally are based more off a casual viewer, uh, the episodes have actually gone higher up in the average as the season has went along. So I feel like even right. though the time jumps and stuff were jarring, they didn't lose people uh, like I thought they could. Yeah, no, I no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it affected that at all. I'm just saying for the for the people out there that are like. Oh, I can. I understand what you're saying. Is what I. Oh yeah, definitely. But now we're settling. Saying right we're, now we're yeah. Now down. there's now there's really no more time jumps. Actually, kind of looking at Fire and Blood, man, I'm actually beginning to wonder how they're actually going to turn this into four seasons. I'm uh, start. I'm I'm starting to think. I man, I think you could almost end this, and I guess because we're not going to have any, a lot of time jumps, but I'm starting to think, man, you could really knock this out in three. I think four would give it a lot of time to breathe, especially if you're going to do a lot of the aftermath stuff. So um, I don't know. I think four seems to be a good spot and I would like them to be a little bit more methodical in season two uh, now that we kind of got through the time jump. So I think you're going to expect a lot more dialogue going forward too. I saw some yeah. people feel like this episode actually needed a little bit more dialogue and I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah. This was it wasn't like there wasn't necessarily a lot of action, but there was a, just a lot of showing, mm -hmm. not say, yeah. not saying. Yeah, which is cool. Right. Like that. That's definitely a way one way of telling the story. So, uh, yeah, Jason here says, I think the ending shot with Rhaenyra was very powerful. I wonder if there could have been a different way to get there. Yeah, there definitely could have been a different way. Yeah. It just depends on, you know, which way is better. Yeah. And where they decide to decided mm -hmm. to go with it. But I, I mean. I still like I still I liked this episode. I think for me, I'm at like this episode for me was probably a four out of five star episode or maybe yeah. even like a maybe even like a three point five. Now, again, it's still a, still a great episode, but I don't know. Well, for me, I was just I just maybe it's just because I know what's going to happen. You know, but I also think it's interesting because then but you also said that you liked it as much as season three and four. Like the season, well, the whole, right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But yeah, but we're talking about the whole season. I mean, just because the finale, just because this episode to me felt maybe like a seven out of 10 or, you know, 7.5 out of 10. Well, if you still average it out, like all the other, all the other were like five stars. So, you know, by, yeah, fair by the averages. I'm still, at, I'm still with this at like, uh, this whole, this season, this whole season for me is like on average, it's probably like a 4.8 star out of five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I thought episode, I thought episode one was like as perfect as you could make it for yeah, everything every everything that it had to do episode two remember we were kind of like it's a little it's a little slow but you're building episode three was awesome like the shots in episode three in the opening when the guy is like hail prince damon and then boom he like lands and like the the dragon just torching everything and then the shot of damon at the end was so so awesome and then yeah. the beginning of the you know I can't let I can't be influenced by how they try to make Allison seem nice, right? <laughs> you know, I got I got to kind of I got to kind of remember what team I'm on here. <laughs> you know, when she's like, "Oh, childbirth isn't so bad." Oh, really? Oh, okay, really, Allison? Well, yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, I mean, like, so, there are just so many epic, epic moments, epic moments, epic moments. But no, I would still say this to me is still probably as good as season three of Game of Thrones for me. Yeah, see, I I, I think I'd put it in that season one to two um, just because and, and part of it is because we have foresight. I think that that definitely plays a bigger role than we probably even imagine. Right. Right. Well, and hindsight of thinking back on just sure. how awesome game of right game of game of thrones was and sometimes yeah. maybe is is it is it that season three and four of game seasons one through four of game of thrones are really as absolutely top tier amazing as they are or do we sort of like be skewed a little bit by the other episodes the other seasons where we're like as it starts to go down a little bit we're like oh no you know does it then heighten the seasons even more I don't know, our... dude. Seasons one through four. <laughs> we're I'm, like... not not, I'm not saying they're great. I'm just saying we might even we might hype them even further. I feel like I I saw a a push to actually kind of rip them down in a way. Like people are like, you know, actually season four wasn't that good. And you know, they, they try to go back and make sure to deconstruct the whole thing. Um, it is interesting. I do think that the show gets uh just in general will always have such a critical eye on it. Um, even if uh <laughs> Never mind, I won't say that part. But uh, no, there are no, always no. going to be people who are voicing their critiques of this show. And I, I do wonder what this crowd now would think of season one through four if it aired today. Uh, I have my thoughts about how they would receive it. But You think it would be received worse than it was? I think it would still be extraordinarily high, some of the best television ever. But I think you would see a lot more of the online communities probably uh, not pleased. Well, yeah, well, our, it, but that's a sign of the times changing and, you know, things change. But I, I thought that, I mean, like, sometimes that happens. I mean, do you think, do you, you know, feel like media literacy is going up in the world or down? Oof. I, I don't know. I think it's just going in totally different or I think it's just going in all kinds of different directions. Yeah. It's an, it's definitely yeah. an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, now we live in this world where, I mean, like, it's kind of crazy to think like Instagram when Game of Thrones launched, Instagram didn't exist. And in, in for season one of Game of Thrones, Instagram wasn't a thing. Yeah. Wow. I think I think Instagram was like what 2014 is when it first came out. TikTok obviously didn't exist. And you know, it's a totally different it, audience now. I mean, obviously a lot of yeah. repeat offenders, right? But there is a whole new generation now and a whole different way of inter in interacting with the show. And actually, I think you could say the Game of Thrones was that first show to really hit social media. Like it right. was the first social media hype show in a lot of ways. Obviously there was stuff before this, but this right. is the one that it caught the zeitgeist, you know? Right. Well, I mean, it's like, imagine if the Sopranos had come out, you know, when Twitter had, had been around that show would have been canceled in like two seconds. Like, I mean, like it's like as having, having just, having just watched it, I was like, there's this, that, that show would not, ex would not exist in today's, in today's television. Um, and that's like yeah. in theory, the best show. Ever, which I want to do. Uh, I want to do another thing too. Now that I've seen it, Jimmy's like, you have to watch it. You have to, you have to plow through the, oh, the Sopranos, and I did. So now I can, now I can, now we can do the the topic of is the Sopranos the best TV show ever? Because awards wise, it's Game of Thrones. So we can do, we can, we should do the, the the head the head the -head HBO comparison. tier list, the head to head comparison. Okay, well, th there is no predictions uh, for next week. <laughs> Uh, because it's off. There is no off. next week. It is. Uh, there is no next week. So, what's next for Game of Thrones, Jimmy? What do you think we will see? So we're we know actually Tuesday we're getting a new book, which is kind mm -hmm. of a re 
new version of Fire and Blood. Really, it's going to be kind of like the World of Ice and Fire uh, book. So at least that may have some new details in it. We don't know. Then, of course, if it, if it does take two years to get House of the Dragon, is are we going to are we will we see the Jon Snow prequel show in that time period? I think you'll probably hear something about snow in December when they do Game of Thrones Con in Los Angeles. Um, I wanted to go, but it's not going to happen. Uh, but right. Kit Harrington was not on the original bill last year before they canceled it. Um, right. I think it's at least likely. I, I would say if there's a shot that you'll hear something about that. And it'll be interesting to see exactly how that goes over because there's a lot of people who don't want it. Um, so I'll I be do. curious. Uh, of course i mean why not like it doesn't hurt me to do it why let's see it right i'm always right. in the why i'm always in the let's see and, and and then make a judgment i'm always in that right. camp. Uh, so i think we would i think we'd obviously know the show has not even been sort of officially greenlit yet mm -hmm. and i think we would know if it was sort of in more than just development right yeah. there's a difference of being in development and being in production or filming yeah. so the likelihood of us seeing that it's po it's what's probably going to happen is unless they get it written, filmed and edited before middle of next year, then I don't think we will see it before House of the Dragon season two, which leaves the other thing out there. For, by season two of house of the dragon which could be let's say 2024 let's say it's the same time just for sake of argument august of 2024 by august of 2024 will we have winds of winter i've i've said for many years <laughs> november 2024 why and you know don't i mean you can quote me if i'd be wrong but that right. that's that that's my hope and uh, the giants are winning so here's the hope let's go here's the hope exactly. that could you exactly. imagine like if hey, we got wins in the next year, we Jimmy and I, Hey, Jimmy and I did a thing on Patreon and we broke it down and pretty much you can go back and look at a lot of times that the, that George books release coincide with the New York giants, not so much the jets, but the New York giants, um, success, right? 2000, he released a book. What happened in 2000? The giants went to the Super Bowl. 2007, he released a book. What happened in 2007? Or no, it wasn't 2007. 2011. He released the yeah. book. 2011. Giants went to the Super Bowl. So I'm just saying they're they just won again, right? They're six and one. I'm rooting for him. Just solely for I, the purpose that it, it motivates Germ. All right. Right. So for Winds of Winter um, to 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 come out, what has to happen is when George, the minute George finishes the book, he has said you like. From the minute it's finished, he said, you probably wouldn't even see it. It would be six months before it actually hit books yeah. or hit shelves, hit shelves. Because it has to go to an editor, then to go to a publisher and everything. So that means if Game of Thrones or season what, uh, two of House of the Dragon, let's say August of 2024, that means George will have to have Winds of Winter done, well, August uh, by January of 2024. So with will we have game of thrones or will we have winds of winter by uh will will he have it say it's done by january 2024 no sticking with my november <laughs> sticking with november no, no no so then he would have to finish it in what march i'm so saying he has i think he'll like well i did say release didn't i damn it right 
So released would be March and then add some months. Yeah, probably. We'll go with March. So we're in the window. So we're saying January to March of 2024. Yeah. He'll say it's done. I mean, I hope so. I, I surely <laughs> hope so. Because me and you, you know, I folks, I know House of the Dragon is concluding, but me and Matt are not concluding anything. We're going to continue not. pushing through. We're doing a their chapter by chapter reread of A Storm of Swords. We'd love to have you guys along. And let me tell you what, if Winds of Winter gets announced. Oh, yeah. All hell breaks loose. Winds of Winter Wednesdays will be a thing. Okay. It That'll will... be. Yeah. I'm quitting that, my job yeah. when that happens. Yeah, that will be a thing. So exactly. So. We'll spend the next few weeks covering one, the new book that comes out, uh, which is just going to be, it's sort of like the world of ice and fire book, which I'm not going to pull it out from my shelf because every time I do, I knock everything over. I should just leave it <laughs> over here. So I can be like, Hey, this is what it looks like, but I'll have the new book. So I want, I just won't, it won't go on the shelf. It'll just sit right there so I can pick it up easily. <laughs> so, uh, right. So we'll have that to certainly, certainly dive into that comes out this week. Then there's going to be our reread where we're, we just actually are at the very beginning of a storm of swords. And then once we finish a storm of swords, who knows, we may do a boiled leather uh, read, Let's which is, go. which I've always, always wanted to do, which is dance, a dance with dra uh, dragons and uh, feast, feast for, for crows kind of go back and forth. And so you can read it that way. And that's how I've wanted to do it. And that's how I always do it. But by the time house of the dragon season two comes out in potentially 2024 who knows maybe i've always i kind of want to do a you know this is just lofty ambitious ambition right here but we have two years i kind of want to do a rewatch of game of thrones i would be so down to do a rewatch of game of thrones yeah uh so comment here so where are you doing the reread on discord so we just uh, it's the podcast episodes yep. you can find them all on on apple or anywhere you're you find the podcast episodes we literally have all of so ezra and i did all of world of ice and fire we did all of game of thrones clash of kings and now we're into like the first three episodes of storm of swords and jimmy you were on i think two of those episodes already yeah so. I, I did house of the undying uh with ez back in the day i think it's my uh it's my favorite chapter in the series that was a lot of fun um yeah so yeah, it, it, where we're doing it, we're doing it live. We're doing it here, right here on the podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. yeah, it, yeah. Exactly. And then I take those and these and clips of these get put up here. And we also have uh, over on Patreon. Jimmy and I did an episode uh, la like last week, and we have plenty more coming as well. But there's mm -hmm. there's for a lot of you a lot of you new people in here. There's already like a hundred episodes over on Patreon uh, that you have <laughs> access to if you sign up over there, which is kind of crazy to think about. But uh, just breaking down like the deepest theories and stuff like that. But now Jimmy's on board. So we got to dive back into some of those theories because I haven't talked some of those uh, with Jimmy and so down to dive back into those. So with all that, guys, that's what we'll be diving into. Very, very excited. Um, even though, you know, we just finished House of the Dragon. We'll come back and we'll do sort of a season review. And dive into all of that you know i want to reread uh just like so because i haven't done it with jimmy i want to reread duncan egg because it's just yes so, it's just so good <laughs> it's, it is just uh it is just absolutely so 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 good so uh with all of that guys as always thank you guys for watching thank you guys for listening be sure to check out extra content on apple premium which is back up and running there was a i had to <laughs> 
do some shift uh, shifting around there uh and patreon you can check any of that stuff out there as well there's all sorts of extra clips on youtube as well and dedicated theories and episodes as well as we have a tiktok you can check out so with all of that we will see you guys soon and remember that by 2024 potentially january winds <laughs> of winter is coming